Welcome to the Dumb Idea Podcast Show with Mike and Alex. We thank you for joining us as we have a couple of beers and a cigar and talk about what's going on in our lives. Grab an adult beverage and a smoke and settle in with us. Please like, subscribe, and comment on each show so we can hear whether you agree or disagree with our take on things. Listen wherever your favorite podcasts are and at www.dumbideapodcast.com. So in the past few episodes, we've kind of talked about how we don't fit into either of the particular parties. We're basically kind of, uh, our political beliefs kind of stay where they are, and the political parties, whether they sway more to the left or more to the right, they kind of move around us because we feel like we're in the middle. And one of the things that we've always said was, is we always end up voting for the party that's going, not going to tell us what to think. Right. And then, you know, after those episodes, we kind of started just saying, well, if there was a third party, and we know there probably will never be a viable third party. The libertarians have been trying for years. Um, But if there was a third party, what could, what could those positions of that party be? And, gather enough steam with voters that they would say, you know what? I'm just not feeling this far left candidate or this far right candidate. Um, what would another candidate's positions need to be where I could have more buy-in? It's not at this point, it wouldn't be, well, I'm, I'm, I'm voting against the pro-life person or I'm voting against the pro-choice person or I'm voting for the second amendment guy or against the second amendment guy. And that's pretty much it. Everything else is a wash. And I just hope they don't blow up the country. Right? So tonight we're going to go through some major political topics, overarching topics. And we're going to try and see where a new party would have to be to kind of get our vote or where, where would we get excited about a candidate from the middle? Um, I actually saw, uh, we talked about the the podcast from Z-Dog MD, my favorite doctor, right? And he, he was wearing a shirt on his uh, YouTube channel that said Alt-Middle. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know what? That sounds that sounds right. That sounds about right. Right now, being in the middle is is the uh, the contrarian view of the day. Um, yeah, I think Matthew McConaughey said he was uh, a h- hardcore moderate. <laughs> or something like that, where he was like, "Hey, I'm just here and doing my thing," and and he's been one of the stars, that, you know, celebrities that's actually kind of been able to say what he thinks and remain above the the fray and not get dragged in or dragged through the mud by um, one side or the other or get get canceled. Um, I always feel he says a lot of words, and no substance comes out of his mouth. <laughs> Like I've listened to him, and he he is straight up that dude from uh, what's that movie? Days Days of Confused. Yeah, he's all still right, all right, all right, yeah. all right. He is still that guy. Like everyone loves him because he's just this chill dude. But like he, and like when he talks, he's like I just want every, I want everyone to live. I want everyone to be happy. I want everyone like almost that utopian kind of guy, right? Um. Like he wants people to have their guns and their pro-choice or whatever, but like he 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 comes out and I don't think he ever takes a, an official stand on anything. Like he would be a great politician. Yeah, so a lot of words come out without taking a stand on anything. <laughs> people like him, right? <laughs> people love him. He, he's about to. He thinks he's going to run for governor. That, that was the, he's actually thinking about it. Oh, really? He's going to run against Greg Abbott. Oh, wow! I was shocked at that one. Wow! But then. Uh, that to me is like, why would you run for any political office right now, well, other than to get rich? Well, I think politicians in general are, are narcissists. That's true. They, they, I mean, and people say, "Oh, Donald Trump is a narcissist." They're all narcissists. Mm-hmm. Um, Trump just wasn't polished, so you know he. But they're all very much. Who would do it? Who would put themselves through that if they didn't at least have some narcissistic qualities to their personality? As much as I hate to say it, I at least think he came at it from a good from a good place. I think he wanted to help regular folks achieve whatever they wanted to achieve. 
Um, and he thought the government got in the way. Yeah. What's funny, because he, when he was elected, I absolutely hated him. Mm-hmm. I couldn't stand him. And uh, I'll never forget when I went in 16 and getting back to the voting for the person you hate the least. Um, I pulled the lever for Hillary because I just I couldn't I, I was like I can't vote for this guy. He's a clown. And I, I remember watching him in in The Apprentice and this and that. And uh, so my thought process: well, at least Hillary like knows what the government does. And I think Trump didn't for a lot of. <laughs> I kind of think not. that he thought he would tell people what to do and they would do it, and didn't really understand that. No, you're just a you know executive branch, just a cog in a wheel, man. You know, now we can get into how much power the legislature has ceded to the executive branch through um, omnibus spending bills and uh, some of these other executive orders and that they that they take and uh, the legislature just kind of lets them do it. But there that whether that check and that balance has, has eroded. But, yeah, I couldn't stand him. I absolutely couldn't stand him. And that persisted pretty good up until 2020. Um when I had my, I guess, my red pill moment, if you would. And like you said before, I don't think it had anything to do with me really moving. I think I just kind of washed everything, you know, like a, like you think the pier that sticks out into the, into the water. Well, sometimes the legs of the pier look long and short. Well, they still stay the same length. It's just the tide rising around it. And that's kind of how I look at myself. Like, I'm, I'm steady. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, you know... To for me, and when I kind of made the the switch over, my wife could. She's like, "You hate him. How could you?" Because I would just sit there and be like, "You know, look at this guy," you know. Um, but uh, and that's kind of how I was raised too. I was raised my my mother was a was a liberal. Um, I would say liberal. I mean, she subscribed to Mother Jones. You know, she was like a, a socialist. Um, my dad was a. He was a dem, you know. He, he grew up in Pittsburgh, Democrat, you know, Union type Democrat. Mm-hmm. Um, they studied at the Sorbonne in the seventies, you know. So like, we're talking like some some uh, left bank type people. But then for me to go and make that switch, um, kind of knock some people for a, like, w- really you? So so I I for me I never voted for Trump, never. Um, because personally, I think the guy is a buffoon. Uh, yeah, like buffoon is the, my preferred term for him. <laughs> he, I thought a lot of his policies were actually quite good. Yeah, but with politics, you expect a certain amount of decorum. Like, it, look, they're going to screw politicians are going to screw you. Yeah, but they do it, um, with decorum. They they do it with the smile on their face, and mm-hmm. you know, they put a, a lot of fancy words together to make you think they're doing something good for you. I kind of wish that someone with his policies had the decorum. I could have voted for that. Instead, when it came time to pull the lever, I voted for Gary Johnson <laughs> and then Joe Jorgensen. Yeah. Now, here, as much as... I'm not a big, I'm not a total fan of of the Libertarian Party, but a lot of what they espouse, I'm more in line with. Now, I'm I'm not a no government, government completely out of the way type of guy. I feel like government done right is good. Right. Government in its current form is crap because the people in charge of it are in it to get paid. Mm -hmm. And actually there was, there was a, uh, a reporting there was reporting done recently and also about I think two or three years ago Kelly Leffler and I think it was Richard Blumenthal it was right before COVID they had they got the COVID briefing came out of the briefing and said everything's okay mm-hmm. nothing to see here they then went on to sell stock and buy stock in certain companies that were going to do bad when the economy tanked yeah. and do well when the medical companies did well. Mm-hmm. Like 
the problem is though like selling my Royal Caribbean, I'm going to buy some Novavax. Correct. <laughs> and, and that's what happens. So blatant. But, but, they, but because they all know the way around the rules, they were found to have no improprieties. Yeah. And lastly, the one that just came out last week was that Nancy Pelosi's husband made about $5 million on a stock transaction from that resulted in legislation that she helped pass. Mm -hmm. And because she didn't make the trades, there was found to be no impropriety there Hmm. because husbands and wives don't talk at night. No. Right. So while specifically did any wrongdoing happen? No, but one can infer that it did. There was smoke. And, yes. <laughs> There's some fire. And, and and we're not talking about small amounts of money. We're talking like that was $5 million. Like he didn't jump on Robin hood and move some, no. some uh, penny stocks no. around. And, and I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on her because I think they all do it. No, I would. But there has not been one politician that's gone into, into the chambers of Congress and came out poorer than they went in. Right. None. And it isn't because they got paid one hundred and seventy or one hundred and fifty-five thousand dollars a year from their Congress salary. Mm-hmm. Uh, heck no. Yeah, your your net value doesn't go up a million dollars in three years. Like net value, not not just assets. Right. Net value doesn't go up over a million dollars in three years on a hundred and fifty thousand yeah. dollars salary. Doesn't happen that way. If, if, let me know what you're putting that money into, right. <laughs> especially when you're paying rent. In D.C., yeah. and you still own a home in your home district. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, it, it just doesn't it, – it's impossible. So so I think one of the things is is most of these people are coming from some some means anyway. Um, so there's that. Some of them are. And then some aren't. But what's – Maxine Waters went into Congress with, like, nothing. Mm-hmm. And now is a millionaire. And it ha- I'm not just picking on her, but it happens all over the place. Well, it's not just them that get rich. Yeah. It's – the sons, the daughters, mm-hmm. the husbands, the wives, the cousins, the 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 parents, right. the grandchildren. Yeah, they like what, it, what does what does Hunter Biden uh, produce? Nothing, but he gets on corporate boards because yeah. of his dad. He negotiates deals because of his dad. Mm-hmm. And look, I, I don't know the full extent to where money is going within that family, and I really don't care. My, I guess my point with that is, is that I don't think that the people in the seat of Congress are are necessarily making the best decisions for the people of the United States oh, of yeah. whom they're supposed to represent. They're in it for themselves. They have been, and they've been doing it too long mm-hmm. to this extent. And I feel like. And I've said this all along. I, I, I've made this analogy before on this podcast to the mafia. When the mafia ran a neighborhood in New York City or wherever, mostly in New York City, back in the good old days of the mob or Philadelphia or Newark or wherever they were, the mob family in control of the neighborhood took care of the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Everyone in that neighborhood who wanted a job got a job. Nobody went hungry because you went to the mob bot. You went to the 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 underboss. Mm-hmm. They say, "Hey, look, I'm, I'm I'm having trouble putting food on my on my family's plate. I don't, I'm not, I I didn't get any hours down at the docks." And the mob boss would say, "Here, come on down." They because they probably owned a piece of the deli. They gave him a couple steaks, you know, maybe gave him a little bit of grocery money, whatever. And then two days later, all of a sudden, they had a job down at the docks. Yeah. They got taken care of. Like, you took care of your own. Mm-hmm. Well, our own, in this instance, is the United States of America and the people in power, the mafia, a.k.a. Congress, is not taking care of the neighborhood. No, they're just looking out for themselves. Exactly. And, and, and the, the example of that, the proof of that, is the wage gap that's occurred and how much has increased the gap between the top 1% and the 99% from the 80s to the 2000s and 2010s grew exponential. Right. Right. You got to drop some breadcrumbs. You got to let the people eat a little bit. Mm-hmm. And they just never did that. Yeah. And, and even, even and I, you know, even if you look back to the, the great recession where the CEOs of these companies were 
<laughs> like that just really screwed over. Getting golden parachutes. Just bit like and people's homes lost all the value. Yeah. And and these guys are coming out better than they went in. Mm-hmm. From these severance packages and getting bailed out, the banks were they, they were all bailed out. We, the taxpayers bailed them all out. You ever you want if you want to watch a movie that'll piss you off, watch Too Big to Fail. Mm-hmm. It was written by Aaron Ross Sorkin, and a lot of people now know him from CNBC. But he wrote that book Too Big to Fail, and they made it into a movie. Mm-hmm. It'll piss you right off. <laughs> and then watch another movie called The Laundromat. Mm-hmm. Now The Laundromat is on Netflix, and it explained how. Super rich people put their money in foreign countries and hide their assets, which, oh, by the way, I believe uh, some, some papers came out. I forgot what they call them this last week detailing. I think it was 300 people mm-hmm. where they were hiding their money and they were they were named like it was a, it, someone hacked some system and found out like people were hiding money in, co- in shell companies in Panama the Seychelles, like this is legit stuff, and, and and this is where people are putting their money to avoid taxes. So like, they look, you're making billions, right? Uh, or let's just say you're making hundreds of millions. I know it's gonna hurt if you're making a hundred million to put fifty million into back into taxes. I get it. Fifty percent tax rate's rough, but we got a thirty something percent tax rate on those people. Mm-hmm. You're telling me in a hundred million. If you got to give up 35 of it, you'd be destitute. Right. Right. I it, it mean, it's that old thing that Chris Rock used to say. If I, if I make 20 million and she takes 10, I'm not starving. I'm not moving back in with my mom. Right. But if I make 30,000 and she's taking 15, mm-hmm. I got to move back in my mama's basement. Yeah. Like it was a perfect example. No, like, and, and that's one of the places where I, where I definitely fall more left because you know you have the ideas of flat taxes get floated around, and you know I I think it was when um, Ted Cruz was running against in the primary against Trump, he said his tax return was going to be the size of a postcard, and you just give ten percent. And it's okay, that sounds real simple. I just give ten percent of whatever the rate is back. But the thing is, when you are when you make ten percent of your twenty thousand dollar a year job is a much bigger dent than 10% of your $20 million a year job. Right. You know, or whatever income it is. <clears throat> and so the, you know, the United States currently has one of the most progressive tax, you know, tax. Uh, right. The more you make, the more you pay percentage yeah. wise. The problem is though, so let's say you're making 20 grand mm-hmm. and you're only paying 10%, lowest yeah. tax rate we got. So you pay two grand of your 20. Yeah. Okay. You're doing okay. You're still pulling in your 18. The guy at the top, though, making he makes let's say he makes 100 mil. Yeah, he's supposed to pay 36 percent, mm-hmm. right? So he should be paying 36 million a year yeah. in income tax, right? Problem is though, he's hiding 50 of that hundred in another comp in another uh, country, right? So now he's only paying 36 percent on uh, 50, right? He's paying half the taxes that he should. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, just be straight up. Yeah. Now, I get it. It hurts. It hurts. That's that's a lot of money. But again, though, if if you got to pay 36 mil on t- in taxes versus 17 or 18, the, that extra 17 or 18 mil when you make 100 mil, you're not going broke. No. You're not. You're not, it, you're not it, selling the private jet. And never mind that. Most of those guys aren't paying the regular income tax. Yeah. A lot of us do capital gains. Capital gains tax... Is fifteen percent? Mm-hmm. You're telling me that in these hundreds of millions or millions of dollars that you're making, you can't pay fifteen percent without trying to hide a little bit, right? You scumbag. <laughs> yep. Those. You're right. Normally, I am to the right. Mm-hmm. Like I think someone who started a business from scratch makes gets revenue of four hundred thousand dollars. I don't want them taxed at thirty six percent. That's crazy. Correct. Yeah. You're hurting a small business owner at that point. Yeah. We're not talking about the four, at least mean I'm not, I'm not talking about the guy, 400, $500,000. I think if you, if you're, if you got a mil or above, mm-hmm. which is going to be the 0.5%. Yeah. Cause I think if you make over 200,000, you're in the 1% supposedly. Oh wow. Yeah. It's not that big of a number. Yeah. 
But if you just got rid of, this is what they talk about, tax loopholes. If you got rid of these loopholes and these shell companies and all this other garbage, mm-hmm. you'd bring in enough money to cover the gaps. Yeah. And then there's other accounting tricks they use to hide profits and hide income. And the thing is, I think what people forget is that, so they'll say, oh, well, you know, one of the lines was, you know, that uh, Warren Buffett's secretary paid more in taxes than Warren Buffett did. And I, I can't see that, <laughs> you know. I think but, she, she might have paid a greater percentage, I think right. is what you meant. But, the, but the, the thing is, I think people look at guys like Bezos and, you know, who, these billionaires that have all this money, and they think, oh, well, he makes $250 billion a year. No, he doesn't. No. He, his assets are 200 but you already right. paid tax on that money. Right. Well, he actually, he doesn't. Yeah, so he, he doesn't pay taxes until, until he sells that stock, right? No, and, that's and what I mean. realizes the gain. He doesn't, and that's why all these CEOs take stock options. Yeah, because rather than taking an annual salary, what they can do is if they took an annual salary on a thirty-six million dollar pay uh, annual pay, which is what some of these CEOs make, like mm-hmm. Jamie Dimon, all these other yeah. guys, whatever. You got to pay the thirty-five, thirty-six percent tax rate, or now it might even be twenty, whatever they lowered it down to. But they're going to raise it back up. But anyway. You got to pay thirty six, right? But if I get it as stock options, you don't pay anything until you sell it, right? But even when I sell it, I'm only paying fifteen percent. Correct. I just you haven't realized the gain. Right. I just halved my tax bill. Yeah. So they give my salary a stock. I can then turn around, and sell that stock, and I realize and I take that gain. I'm only paying fifteen percent on that capital gains. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they hand it to me as a salary, I now have to pay thirty six percent. Yeah. Okay, so I can lower my tax rate by sixty percent by getting stock mm-hmm. instead of salary. Yeah, and that's what they all do. So I mean, they they do sell them, and they have to report what they sell. But yeah, but now again, dividends does that count the same as capital gains? Capital gains. Okay. Yeah, and, and the thing is, like, I think people get kind of misled because they think that someone like Bezos makes two hundred fifty billion dollars a year, when that's not the case with his assets of. The parts of Amazon that he owns, the stocks, all the airplanes, the property, all that stuff. Yeah, that's his net worth. Right. But if you know, if you want to add up my net worth, I don't get paid the value of my house every year. Right. You know, I get paid my salary every year. Now the equity I have in my house, yes, that's an asset, but I already paid tax on that. Right. And that's where there's some a little bit of disingenuous. Now certainly that doesn't cover for the the uh, the accounting tricks. And the thing is, like these dudes. If, if you look at these these big donors, they're donating money to both sides. They're some of them yeah. are, some of them are not. Like right, the, but, I think the biggest donors don't. But if you look at like Walmart, Walmart b- donates money to both sides, right? And they, well, the funny part is they do it through the children of the trust. Yeah, they, they they're doing the donations. Yeah. Walmart itself isn't really right. doing much. But they're they're hedging their bet, right? Because if one wins, and you know, then hey, you know, maybe I didn't give you this guy as much as I gave that guy, but I still gave you something. You still got to look out for me. But you've got others, though, like Soros gives comp- solely to Democrats. Yeah. Peter Thiel, solely to Republicans. Mm, the Koch brothers. Koch brothers, solely to yeah. Republicans. I mean, they're, the heavy hitters on both sides yeah. are only giving to one yeah. side. And t- I always thought of this, though. I'm like, is that really worth it? Imagine the millions of dollars these huge packs take in from these guys. And we're talking like a billion, a, a billion a year here. A billion a year there, uh, fifty million here, thirty million there, and it sounds like large numbers to us, but to them it's peanuts. It's nothing. Imagine what you could do with that money if you created like an entrepreneurship program somewhere. Yeah. Like imagine how many small businesses and jobs you could create with that thirty mil. Mm-hmm. It would be astronomical. Like if you really wanted to help this country, it wouldn't be through the politics. Yeah. The thing is, though, if I give money through politics, it'll come back to me on the back end through government contracts. Yeah. Because a lot of these guys are getting money through government contracts, right? So it's it's all that pay-to-play system. Now, I think a lot of people know. Like, a lot of people, especially with the Internet, I know people bash the Internet and what it is, but a lot of people through the Internet and the dissemination of information, a lot of people are aware of this. And I think... I mean, me personally, like I said, it, as long as the mafia is taking care of the neighborhood, mm-hmm. I'm okay if they get their cut. I understand what this is. Right. But it, for me, it's like when you stop dropping those breadcrumbs to the neighborhood, 
that's when I get pissed off. That's when I'm like, look, we all know what this game is, but you were just so greedy. You had to take that. You, you had to take that little bit extra, and couldn't help out the guy. You couldn't help out the people. Yeah, and that's my whole thing. Like for example, like this stupid infrastructure bill, bipartisan bill, mm-hmm. right and left, and one side's going to hold it hostage because they want to get more. Yeah, they, they want wanna... more. And there's but it's for the people though. Yeah, we're we're doing it for the people. It's social programs. Yeah, who? Someone's going to run these programs, and someone's going to get paid. It's all done on contracts. Yeah, it's going to be crap. Yeah, it's going to be crappy ideas. You're and you're going to get five cents worth on the dollar. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that drives me nuts is when you when you deal with the the money coming in. The, the more so you take it from the taxpayer, it goes to the government, and then it ends up this. Then some of it goes back to the states, and then it goes back to this program or that program. And when you look at it, every step of the process that it goes through, a little bit is shaved off of it, or a lot of it is shaved off of it, depending mm-hmm. on who has to process it. So I'd like to see, so when that money comes down, say, as a grant for to do some program in a school, and the money left the state, the citizens, went to the federal government, it's going to lose money there. So I'd like to see the dollar-to-dollar comparison. How much is that money worth when it comes back to the program? And if we had skipped all these steps and kept it more of a local control. So I can give you a good example. There of the particular programs that I know about. Money goes from state to the federal government. Federal government then packages it all together to create a grant program mm-hmm. that they then then send back out to the states. Now, some of it doesn't come back equally, but let's just say all in all, each state is supposedly getting an equal share of what they put in, which they're not. But th- right. some get $1.25 on the dollar they put in. Some get $0.88 cents for the dollar. They- let's just say it's even just for this, this argument's sake. <clears throat> when the government then makes that grant, the government agency making it is allowed to use 5% of the grant program for management and administrative. Mm-hmm. So basically the people in the federal government that are there to oversee it, to award it, to keep tabs on the money, uh, the computer systems, keep the lights on, 5% of that award will go to the administration on the federal level. Okay. Now, if, it's a, if it goes to the state by a formula grant, the state can also take 5% for these. So now, right off the bat, you're getting 90 cents on your dollar. Because mm-hmm. 5% is going to the federal government, 5% is going to the state. Yeah. Just to manage it, just for management. And then let's say it goes down from the states to the, to the localities. The mm-hmm. localities get another 5%. So now you're getting 85 cents on your dollar that you've given in. Well, then if you've got contractors or whatever, whoever's got to now manage these uh, awards that go out from the locality, they're the ones making the official award to go out to get whatever product you were supposed to get, roads, whatever. Yeah. All right? So let's say it's a roads program. All right? So you're already 85 cents in the dollar. Well, that road company is allowed to take a certain percentage. Mm-hmm. Some some allow a, a percentage for overhead. Some call it an administrative fee, whatever it is. But you could be losing another... I mean, shoot, when it, when it comes to, like, research grants, you could be losing 65% of that. Wow. Like, I know with, like, Johns Hopkins, mm-hmm. if it's an on-site facility, meaning an on-site at Hopkins, not overseas, 65% goes straight to Hopkins as administrative. Wow. <laughs> 65%. So, all right. So, what's I don't know what 65% of 80, 85 cents is, but let's just, shoot, let's say we're down to 35 cents. Yeah. You're now getting... The taxpayer, from the point where it went from the taxpayer to the federal government, or for the state's federal, whatever it is, you're now getting 35 cents worth on that dollar given. Yeah. It just seems like such a waste. And, and, and if people think I'm not, like, giving factual numbers here, mm-hmm. go ahead and check out a, a Hopkins grant mm-hmm. and see what an on-site management administrative fee is. 65%. Yeah. Now... That being said, that might not be going through the state. So they might get directly from an age. So let's just say they get 65%. That means you're still only getting 45%. Right. And that's if the federal agency's not taking anything, which is not true. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say, at best, the taxpayer gets $0.40 cents on the dollar from that federal grant. Yeah, such, such a waste. Yeah. And 40, $0.40 cents of actual research. Yeah. On the dollar. Yeah. 
That's nuts to me. That's the, that's like the worst money management I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And these are negotiated rates. So like, <laughs> so like Hopkins said, hey, we want 65%. And someone at the federal government said, yeah, you know what? Sounds reasonable. <laughs> that's how it's negotiated. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> no, no, how about 60? Right. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I need I need that sixty five or I'm not going to do it. And and the funny like some of these it, so but look that it's just so that's some inefficiency for you yeah. right there. And you have inefficiency, then you have waste. Yeah, there's a, well, or or just fraud. Yeah, just straight up yeah. fraud. Well, if you look at this, uh, the all the money that went out for for the paycheck, the the triple P loans oh, and all yeah, this yeah. stuff, where people were going out and form, forming an LLC that day and then going and. Essentially, if you're we're asking for under a million dollars, they're just approving it, just approving it, like no looking into it or anything. Well, the idea is we're gonna we want to get this money out quick, so we're gonna approve almost everything, and then we'll go find the fraud later. Yeah, like you're kidding me, right? Right. That's like I'm not gonna lock my doors or secure my house, but when someone breaks in and steals all my stuff, I'll go find it later. Right. Like it doesn't. <laughs> now, great. There's not a, as big of a paper trail with a B and E as there is with with a uh, with with tax fraud. Right. But, but I, so this point right here, again, we've gotten a lot off topic, but yeah. this goes to the point of, for me, when I say I want government to do some things, I want them to do it right. Yeah. Not like it's being done right now. Yeah. And okay. the thing is like, and that's where I kind of fall off, uh, fall away from the, the libertarian to, you know, from the tea partiers from those types was they say, Oh, government's not good for anything. Government. They, you know, put a man on the moon. Yeah. Um, like NASA, that was all NASA stuff. There was no private company doing that stuff. Now there were private companies involved, but that was the sheer will of the, of the federal. That's how that happened. The government has the ability to do things the right way. Yeah. The government is also bent to the will of corporations mm-hmm. or outside interests that want their, Pound of flesh. They or not, not pound of flesh isn't the right word, but they want their cut. Yeah, you know, like Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, all those big military, military industrial complex companies. They spend a lot of money on lobbying. Mm-hmm. It isn't because they don't get anything returned for it, right? Yeah, there. It <laughs> if CEOs thought they weren't getting their money's worth out of lobbying Congress, they would stop putting money into it, right? Um. And, you know, it, that's that's part of the problem. Now, you can't get rid of lobbying altogether because people, people and companies need a way to go and educate a city member of Congress to let them know what, what's going on in their industry in the world. Because if anybody can agree on anything, members of Congress are not, they, they are so detached from what's going on in reality. Yeah. So you need experts to come in and say, hey, look, you know, we're real close to uh, nuclear fission. We need government to step in and push it the extra extra 10 steps. Mm-hmm. Or electric cars can be the way of the future, but we need government to step in and incentivize purchases. It's for the good of the people. It's, good, it's for the good of the country. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if that's true or not, but, but that's my point. My point mm-hmm. is, there should be a mechanism for government to be educated on certain things. And that is done usually by lobbying. Now yeah. are the lobbyists always telling the truth to these people that they're buying? I don't know. Have you, there's a movie. Um, I wish I could think of it. Thank you for it. smoking. Yes. Yep. The, the oh, angel, I knew exactly the, what you're talking about. The angels of death. It was what alcohol, yeah. tobacco, and firearms, firearms, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like ATF. I, I love that movie. <laughs> it's such a good movie. Yeah, it really is. And you know, to see it, but the, and and here's the thing with with that, like, you know, people say, "Oh, the special interests." I don't have a. I don't want to say I don't have a huge problem with special interest groups, but there are things that people feel strongly about. Um, some people feel strongly about, uh, you know, about about abortion, about guns, about whatever it is, if there's special interests, if that people band together to go and utilize those platforms to then have that, that influence, like-minded people trying to have that influence. Now, 
there are some other things where we're like, oh, well, now it's the gun you manufacture is in with the NRA. Or it's this group in with the abortion folks or whoever it is. Yeah. But the, the point of it is, if you feel strongly about the Second Amendment, yeah, you're going to donate money to the NRA because you know the NRA is going to be down there lobbying on your behalf. Well, and the, yeah. NRA, and the NRA is going to run ads to scare you into thinking that Joe Biden's coming for your guns. Oh, yeah. And that's going to ramp up donations because yeah. people believe that Joe yeah. Biden's going to come it's and get ramp your guns. up gun sales, too. Heck yeah. <laughs> and, and ammo. Yeah. yeah. And that it's going to, you know, and if, if a Republican comes in, then all the all the now people get all fired up and yep. um, then they start pouring in tons of money to, to, but the thing is, if you feel strongly about those, like, you know, I feel strongly about the second amendment. So um, if I want to have my voice heard, yeah, I could write a letter to my Democrat Senator in Maryland, which is going to go <laughs> absolutely nowhere. nowhere. Or I could donate money to the NRA, be an NRA member and know that at least there's the, the they're lobbying on behalf of, of my interests. Now I'm not an NRA member, but um, if I want, you know, like that's an avenue that I could take. Um, and it fits across the board with other things. I think what it gets kind of polluted is when you have the manufacturers in and the big money in, comes in and like, oh, you know, I'm, there's sure there's all these, all these gun owners and sportsmen that want to protect their Second Amendment rights. But then here's, you know, um, Sig Sauer is also putting money into the NRA and so is, Smith and Wesson, and so are all these big companies because they're trying to protect their interests too. That's where the yeah. the the corruption comes in. So, um, or the the big huge dollar amounts. It's not from little guys like me. No, no. It they're definitely it, it. There's so much money into politics. Like even the dollar amounts we just talked about with the Koch brothers or or Soros or Sheldon Adelson or whoever they are. The the other money from other packs that nobody's ever heard of, mm-hmm. it, it's it's crazy money. Yeah, it's crazy money. Like, think about this. Even if, even if it was, let's say, three four billion a year, and it's probably way more than that, that goes into political races, ads, campaigning, whatever it is. Imagine what that money could do. Oh yeah, I mean it's crazy. Well, what was the um. They spent more money on that George, those Georgia Senate races than any races in history. Like it was insane the amount of money they spent. That wasn't all Georgians spending that money. Well, no, that money was coming from all over the place. And I, I have a problem with that. Where, so say you have a seat in Tennessee, and they decide that they can flip this seat one way or the other. So they're gonna have a bunch of New York money, California money, coming maybe foreign money. Because it's all black. Nobody knows where this stuff comes from. Right. Coming in to influence this race. So now, they just, all these outside interests dumped a whole ton of money into this campaign, and they flip this seat. That person's not beholden to those constituents. No. That person's beholden to, the, to, to all this dark money that came in from all over the place. Um, that person's never going to go back to their, to their seat. You know, when you look at, at, what was it, Alabama, when, now granted, the Republicans ran that was it Roy Moore? <laughs> I don't think they could have run a worst guy. Right. Like, like you literally, you, you lost a Republican Senate seat. You lost to a Al- Democrat in Alabama. <laughs> right. You must be a turd of a human being. Yeah. To, to, for that to yeah. happen. Now, Roy Moore, good riddance to you. Right. Now there was a ton of money coming to that race too. Um, you know the funny part of that? He barely lost. Right. <laughs> barely lost. Yeah. Didn't he, wasn't he like texting a teenager? Yeah. That's, it, uh, th- at best, that's what he was doing. Like <laughs> a pedophile. Yeah. Barely lost. <laughs> First of all, Alabama, what is, what, what is going on down there where 48% of the popul of the voting population is like, yeah, I know he's a pedophile. <laughs> He's not a Democrat. I know he did something. He probably did something improper with some kids. (laughs) But he ain't Democrat, so I'm voting for him. Right. Get the hell out of here. That should have been 80 to 20. Yeah. Because there's always going to be 20% of people that are nuts. Right. The other 80% of you people should never have voted for Roy Moore. I'm sorry. (laughs) Even Even if it was possibly made up about the dude. Yeah. You possibly voted for a pedophile. Right. You, 
I and look, I know like I have never been one to say that maybe all people shouldn't be able to vote, but maybe all people shouldn't be able to vote. <laughs> <laughs> and, and look, it's not just down there. Oh, I, I'm sure this has happened in other places that it doesn't get well, as much at, pub. At, at, uh, DC reelected, you know, a million years ago, reelected Marion Barry. <laughs> Marion Barry. Now, no. Marion Barry, there was a great documentary on him. He was like a, um, did a lot for that. I think it's DC Ward 6. Yep. I think that's what he was yep. in. And he did a lot for that community. He was a big into the civil rights movement and, and prior to getting into politics was like, he was like a righteous dude. Mm-hmm. But then he, you know, politics kind of corrupted him. And, you know, there was the whole, the bitch set me up and all right. so then he gets reelected. Right. Got <laughs> but I mean, sometimes, I mean, but maybe what, Trump was right when he's like, I could shoot someone in Fifth Avenue and people still vote for me. I, um, I, I just don't understand how like some of these cities keep reelecting the same people when they know there's so much corruption going on. Yeah. Like the city of Baltimore. I don't understand how they can keep winning. Yeah. Now, now this, I do like, so I don't like his politics. Mm-hmm. I disagree with him probably on just about every conceivable issue, but I like Brandon Scott for whatever reason. I think he, he's like a, a fresh face. Maybe sure. He's just not the same warmed over dirt bag that they normally elect. Right. Right. Um, well, he might be the first one not to go to jail after he's out of office. Right. And the last yeah. three mayors. Yeah. And you know, like I said, I disagree with him on pretty much on everything, but he just, you know, and I don't, it's not even the type of thing where, you know, I can sit down and have a beer with that guy. Right. It's just, he seems like a, like he's in it for the right reason. Now, I don't like. I'm not. I wouldn't like the result of it. But I don't live in Baltimore, so it doesn't really matter to me. I mean, one of the bigger problems with Baltimore is the corruption at the city council and at the school. Mm-hmm. The schools there are atrocious. Yeah, and it's it, there's a lot of factors that go into it, but a lot of the money. I mean, in Baltimore City, per student, it ranks number. And it ranks in the top five. I don't know if it's number it's number one in the state. Well, it's number one in the state, but yeah. I think in the country, yeah, it's it's in the top five of money per student spent. Mm-hmm. So, and the money has increased. I think over the last twenty years, yeah. each year, year over year. At, at, the, at what point can you just say we can't buy our way out of this program because? The more money we put in, the more money they siphon off. Yeah. Well, D- and Dan, it's not going to kids. Um, and one of the things Dan Crenshaw put it, made a good analogy about that. It's 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 the puppy dog problem. So everyone thinks everyone likes puppy dogs, right? And everyone likes schools. Everyone everyone likes well, most people like kids. <laughs> um, some people don't, but most people do, and most people realize that the key to bringing people out of poverty is education. So they say, well, let's give more money to the schools. Let's get more money to the schools. <clears throat> Just like the puppy dog. Everyone likes the puppy dog. Give, let's, let's take care of the puppy. But eventually, you have to take a step back and realize that this isn't working. And the money we're giving them is not getting the results because there's no accountability on the, on the back end. But, again, but everyone likes the schools. And if you don't give money to the schools, then you're a bad guy. Right. You're a bad person. Just like if you don't pet the puppy dog... You don't like the puppy. You're a bad person. Right. If you, you didn't kiss the baby on the campaign trail, you hate babies. Right. How dare you vote someone in that hates babies? Exactly. Yeah. So it's easy to fall into. But then the, you have an unscrupulous people. These, you know, um, so much of that money goes to the top. It's not being spent in the classroom. No. It's, it's being spent on nonsense. Right. Um, in the school administrators that don't do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking, you know, solid six-figure salaries that don't have no interactions with students. They should turn that system on its head mm-hmm. and that money is in the classroom. That money is going to the kids, not just to to administrators and politicians and hangers on and fraud, waste and abuse and everything else that 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 happens there. So should they even put air conditioning in the schools? Yeah. I mean the governor sent money for that specific reason. Mm-hmm. Still haven't done it. It's three yeah. year, three years later. Yeah. It's like you can't like, again, the it's the mafia rule. You're telling me Mafia Don and working work at Baltimore City Public Schools, whoever the CEO of that is, the superintendent of Baltimore City Public Schools, 
You're telling me you couldn't have just taken that money and put air conditioners in schools. Right. You had to siphon off that too? Yeah. Like, all of this like, you can't, again, you can't say money's the issue when you're top five in the nation, money spent per student, when the money's not going to educate the students anymore. Mm -hmm. It's going to pay your buddies for contracts. Right. And everybody's got their hand out. Yeah, to pay for to take home cars for administrators. Like, what do what do school administrators need vehicles for? It's not even that. To that, food service. Mm-hmm. Who's getting a cut of that? Yeah. Who's getting a cut of the maintenance contracts? Mm-hmm. Who's getting a cut of the lawn contract? Yep. Who like everyone's got their hand out and everyone's marking the stuff up 30 percent. They're already choosing who the winner is. Mm-hmm. Like someone could probably go in. Undercut a bid by 15, 20%, and they're going to say, well, because of past uh, past good stewardship, we're going to award it to these guys. Yeah, well, then and there's some of these. Because there are those clauses. And then some of these municipalities, some of these government entities, whether it's you know state, local, they have things built in to, and the, the, the design of it, it's well-intentioned, like a lot of these things are. It's, it's well-intentioned. Like, we want to support say, Baltimore City businesses. And I, I don't know for a fact, but I'm sure they have something because, you know, different areas have this. So in order to support these Baltimore City-based businesses, they'll say, okay, we'll pay more to have it. And they know what the percentage is. Right. So those businesses know. They know what everyone else is going to charge. They know what an, an, oh, an air conditioner costs. So they're going to charge 12% more. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to get it because they're – Baltimore city-based business. Right. And they, and they know they're coming in within that 12% yeah. margin. And then they'll go subcontract to. that out right. to someone that'll do it for 80% of what the actual cost is. So now they're making, now they're making 32% to do nothing. Right. You know, so like, but that's 32% that could go to the ki- actual, to, to pay uh, teachers. Yeah. To pay for better food in the schools. Yeah. You know, it, or to pay for a community program to make sure kids that don't have two parents in the home get to school. Yeah. You know, they could do more community outreach programs with yep. that money. Like, look, I, I get it. It's You got to spend more in some of these cities because the situation is tougher. I yep. get that. I, I completely do. But when that extra money isn't being spent to better the school system and it's being spent to pay out people because they're your third cousin. Yeah. Or... They're your your mother's friend's uh, kid, mm-hmm. who you like. If people don't think that kind of stuff goes on, oh. you're just you're not paying attention, yeah, or you're just completely naive, right? And and the thing is, this this shouldn't be, and I don't. It's not a left right issue. I don't think anyone. I think I could go to the most lefty wingnut person I know, and I think we both kind of have in mind who we're who I'm talking about. But I go to that person and I can say, hey. This program that that exists, whatever it is, um, cheese research research for the blind, they're wasting millions of dollars on it when actually none of the money is going to cheese research for the blind. Oh, that's terrible. And then I can go to the most right-wing, wacko, wingnut person I know too, and let's put that person in our head, and say the same thing, and they'll say, yeah, that's a bad idea. So that's where the extreme left or right would agree on something. See, I disagree with you there. I think the person on the left would say, "Well, we just need to put more money into it." And then and and we and the people there will just put the money where it should be. They'll do the right thing. <laughs> and I think the people on the right say, "I'm not I'm not putting another dime in there. In fact, take the money away until take they, it all away until until they figure out how to manage money right." Yeah, but 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 I, I think it, you know my my point is that no one on either side wants to see just absolute waste and and abuse of. The problem is oh, the person that's... on the left doesn't think that's happening. Right. The person, the person on, the on the right thinks it's all happening. It's all happening. Yeah. In fact, they think it's happening at every school, even yeah. the ones that perform well. Oh, yeah. well, they could probably do it cheaper. <laughs> really, buddy? Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. Yeah. The teachers are overpaid, right? Get the... Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me started on teacher pay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like a lot of this money that goes into Baltimore City that's going for these contracts and everything, mm-hmm. if they would pay more for the teachers in those schools, then they wouldn't have the turnover. They'd probably get teachers that were more 
invested in the kids a little bit. Yeah. Not that I'm blaming them, but mm-hmm. everyone knows if you pay, if, sometimes when you pay more, you get a little bit more out of it, of an of a individual. Yeah. And I, especially for a, t- like a teacher's going to go to school. She knows she's just going to get, she's going to get crap from the misbehaving students. Mm-hmm. An administrator, an administration's not going to back her up. Right. She's probably going to have to pay for all her school supplies because she actually gives a crap out of her own pocket in, oh, a, I know. in a school like that. Yeah. Whereas, you know, after a year or two, she goes out to the suburbs. The PTO raises $30,000 a year. She's not now. She gets uh, you know two two hundred and fifty dollars from the PTA to pay for supplies for her school, for her classroom. Yeah. Uh, or if she needs anything, she just asks the PTA. They'll put out a blast email say, "Hey, look, our teachers need X, Y, and Z." And the next day, they're all there. Yeah. You know, or or um, yeah. And, and never mind the fact that these counties generally pay salaries a little bit better, benefits maybe a little bit better. So why stay? Or just the, the the facilities in which you work might be better. You don't feel like you're going to get stabbed. Yeah. When you go to work, right? You know. And look, might get flamed for saying that, but you know some of these schools are not exactly Disney World when you walk in. They're no. not great. Yeah. They can be dangerous places. Mm-hmm. And if I'm a teacher, am I going to choose that to be my workplace? Right. Or am I going to go choose to get paid more the next county over, and not have, and not to, have to deal with, with any of that? Right. And you know, and then that, but then I feel bad for the 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 kid, the families that have to send their kids to these schools, which kind of brings you to a to a school choice question. And is that something where you know they're paying for a service? Now, are people that have incomes of zero paying taxes? No, but there's money going to that school allotted for the education of that student. That's not being used effectively. So then, should you be able to? Should that kid be able to? Parents say, "No, you know what? We want to send this kid to a different school." Yeah, and I, I mean, look, going with the tax thing, I don't think people that people from other parts of the state that are paying into that city. And don't remember, there's a generally with cities, you're supposed to be able to fund education through business taxes, you know, through the visitors and the tourism and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And supposedly the casinos, yeah, that was supposed to go to the, the schools too. I think if people saw that you know, the city of Baltimore was paying, you know, in the top five uh, per student, but they were getting a good education, I don't think school choice would even be an issue anymore. Yeah, but the fact is, you're paying in the top five per student in the country, and you're getting crap results. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're getting, I mean, literally, I mean, that study that, not the study, the report that came out, I mean, shoot, what, 60% of the kids were getting passed? Oh, yeah. Through the, through the system. Yeah. And not one had a passing grade? Yeah, not, not, none of them could read. Couldn't read? Yeah, yeah. And got, like, they literally didn't even have passing grades. Right. But they the, the system pushed them through anyway, so they, they still got federal dollars because they Their could say, well, we gra- rate. graduation rate. Yeah. Okay. I mean. But I think if people, I think if the money was being put into those schools and the schools were performing, well, okay, we're getting our money's worth. We get mm-hmm. it costs more because it's a city. You need more buildings, more, you need some school administrators, you need more school administrators because you got more schools. Yeah. Okay. But that's not the case. You're paying that much money and you're getting zero. Like yeah. you're not even getting kids yeah. that can read. And and the thing is in, in some of these, these, uh, these cities and counties that are like this, it's, just been going on for generations and years and years and years and people keep keep asking for you know why is this happening what's the let's throw more money and it's not working and what's the common denominator yeah who you vote for right how about like i mean trump went into some of the one of some of those democrat areas and he literally said what have you got to lose yeah yeah and he actually got votes with that yeah now, are you going to get a majority of votes with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably not. Right. I mean. Right. It's like if I keep going to the dry cleaner and they screw my stuff up every single time and I keep going back, well, pick a different dry cleaner. You know? <laughs> right. Go to a different dry cleaner. Um, you know, now, can the, the parents pull their kids out of their, their schools that easily? No, but they can vote for different people. Right. That, that, that's yeah. your say. Yeah. As a parent, you want better schools? 
if the schools you have haven't been run well for 30 years plus, yeah, your recourse is the Board of Education members that you vote for, mm-hmm. your city council people that you vote for, and yeah. the mayor that you vote yeah. for. Fire them. Fire them. That's yeah. exactly – that's how you get change. Yeah. Now, because the problem is, is if, if you don't and the state takes over your schools – and the state is run by a Republican who favors school choice, mm-hmm. then you might end up getting school vouchers. Now, the problem with that system is, and that's a whole other ball of wax, but the problem with that is once you put that system in place, you then doom the public school system yeah. to being crap because right. you're going to take the resources away from those schools that were already bad to begin with. And they're going to go to these other schools that are already good. That are already good. Now, granted, some of these kids are going to go there. But so what happens is the ones that actually want to learn, mm-hmm. the parents that are already involved, basically you're taking the top portion of the, the top 20% of the students. They're the ones that are going to go. Yeah. And the bottom 80% who would have the parents who don't give a crap. Yep. Are going to let their kids continue to go to the school that gets now getting even less funding, worse teachers and Worse administration. Yeah. I, I think the the study w- uh, was done in Detroit about that. And that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Certain schools thrived and other the other public schools went to crap. Yeah. So it, that's a downward spiral that no one ever talks about with school choice and, and, and school vouchers. Mm-hmm. No one ever talks about yeah. that. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm not a big big fan of the school voucher thing. And, and also say you want to send your kid to a private school. The school voucher is not going to cover that. Well, some of them do. Yeah. So, some of them will. Like it, it, it depends on where it is and how much the private school is. But some of the private schools will take the voucher. and s- Because some of those private schools, they're giving out scholarships anyway for yeah. some of these. So, okay, look, if I, I could take in 10 extra kids and I'm getting government money, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. It, it's actually more profitable for me to do that than it is to just give out these, these 10 uh, free grants or scholarships. Right. I'll I'll take ten kids in and take the government money. Mm-hmm. It's more than I was getting before. Yeah, and the uh, again though the problem is is once you start that you you erode the public school system in that area and within the within five to ten years. Oh, it's absolutely it's it's done. It's decimated. Yeah, yeah. and now you're not going to serve. It, you're you're going to divide the community even further because mm-hmm. the kids are going to get hurt worse than the poorest kids. Yeah. Because it's the kids that the you know the parents aren't really giving a crap, um, don't know enough where to get the voucher, or even that they think their kid needs a voucher. They're just going to send the kid to the neighborhood school that they went to, as, or as long as the kid's not bugging them for seven hours a day, they're happy with it. Right, or the parents at work working three jobs. Yep. You know, and the kid's probably taking care of two or three siblings, mm-hmm. can barely get to school on time. You know, unless the kid's going to fill the paperwork himself or yeah. herself. Your mom and dad don't have time for that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a big I've never been a big proponent of it. Um you know, it just it and one of the programs I had seen, one of the pro, I I, I want to say it was when I was in Pennsylvania. They had floated that and each kid was going to get like 2500 bucks to go to the I'm like, "Where can you go for 2500 bucks? Nowhere." Now, you might be one of those kids that get their scholarships, but if that school has room for 10 and there's 200 then okay you know where are you going and, and most times those private schools they're giving them to athletes yeah they're not giving them to you know the the straight a science student now no. some might but for the most part or the average athletes. kid that could do better or the maybe not even the average maybe the kid that's that that needs that's needs extra help but just there that would probably benefit them he's not getting it or even what if it's like that C or D student mm-hmm. that goes to a school, you know, t- 10 of the 20 kids are just causing issues in the class, right? So the teacher's got to pay attention to those 10 to 20 kids just to get the room quiet so that she can probably finally teach a lesson. Yeah. The other 10 kids in there barely get taught the lesson. So when they take the test, they're getting C's or D's, yeah. right? Just because they weren't taught it, mm-hmm. you know? What happens? What if you take those ten kids and you put them in a private school? Yeah, I guarantee. I can almost guarantee those C's and D's become A's and B's. Yep. Just because 
those are the kids that want to learn. They're, they're there. They're trying to learn. But you know, the teacher can only do so much. Yeah. When the other half of the class is acting like fools. Yeah. Yeah. When they're dealing with behavioral issues and all kinds sure. of other things. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, the funny part is we started off. We started off this podcast with. Hey, we're gonna state the political. We're gonna state our political positions, and it, we didn't really. We kind of. I mean, we kind of weaved our way in through some of that stuff. I think we've um, got an idea of somewhat of an idea of where we stand, but we're gonna have to definitely talk about it a little bit more. Well, we'll have to do. We'll have to do part two of this. So the next episode, we will get straight into our political views and beliefs, and we'll be quite specific on. Climate and energy, healthcare, budget and finance, uh, abortion, guns, Second Amendment, education, regulation, and food. We'll get into those on the next one. So if you want to hear more, uh, tune in next week and we will get into that. Thank you for listening. Please like, subscribe, share, comment, uh, rate us on the podcast platforms. We appreciate you being here with us and we will see you next time.